Good morning, guys, and welcome to episode 57 of Costa Rica Real Estate and Investments with me, your host, Richard Beckson. Today, we're going to be talking with David Carr. If you may, if you've listened to some of the podcasts before, uh, you'll remember that we've had him on there talking about HACO, also investments, etc. So getting a bit of an update. Uh, he also recently acquired the Coldwell Banker franchise uh, in that HACO area. So congratulations. That's a huge a huge step for you, David, and, and well-deserved, well-deserved. I think Coldwell Banker has got a, a great broker, uh, and you've also got a, a great franchise there. So for new listeners, David's been in the area for over 15 years. He's one of the most knowledgeable guys that I, that I know in that area. Uh, as I say, maybe the world's you know, worst realtor, and I think that you'll see that, and the reason why, because he gives you the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, he's not hiding anything. The reason being is David lives in Hako, so he's going to have to see you. So, uh, of course, uh, he wants to make sure that you're happy, so he tells you everything beforehand. But anyway, remember, if you have any questions for me, uh, you can email me, info at investingcostarica.com. That's info at investingcostarica.com. Uh, and I will also place all of David's contact details in the comments below. Let's get straight into it. Good morning, David. Good to have you on the podcast again. Good morning. How are you doing, Richard? Good, good. It's uh, I've got my coffee. It's a beautiful day outside. Summer is here in Costa Rica, so all things are good. Yeah, definitely. Summer is here, especially at the beach. It's been beautiful the last couple of weeks, so yeah, pretty excited. Awesome. Well, it's been a while since we last talked uh, on the podcast, not personally, because again, we talk constantly, but um, you know, I think slowing down, is there anything interesting that you're seeing in the market of HACO? Uh, it'd be great to just get some feedback on that. Yeah. You know, we had talked about new inventory about that probably coming sooner or later. Yep. And, and we, we had a couple projects launched here in HACO, a couple of towers getting off the ground um, or at least getting ready to get off the ground. So um, one's taking reservations, the other one's uh, starting to market sales. So um, going to be interesting. We, we haven't seen haven't seen towers in Hako for some time. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Yeah, I have a question on that, David, because as soon as you come into Hako, there is the ghost tower there on the left-hand side, of course. I mean, for people that are looking to buy pre-construction, um, you know, or in this phase, I mean, how risky is it? What should they be aware of? Like, how, how should they basically cover their butts? Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that you've got to be very, very careful with. Um, what, what I'm telling people is, so for example, out of these two projects, I'm very conservative. There's only the one that I'm endorsing at this time. Yep. The other one, I'm, I'm pretty gun shy. So I'm pretty conservative in, in what I endorse. And I think you have to, you have to look at the developer. You have to look at that track record. You have to look at funding, all sorts of variables. But at the end of the day, like I'm, I've been telling people on, on this other one that I have endorsed, you've got you've to be able to stomach this, right? Yeah. The pre-construction is just not for everyone. Um, even if you do feel comfortable, you do do your homework, there's no guarantee. So you're, if, if you're a nervous Nelly, if you're going to be nervous for the next two years while this gets under construction, it, it's not worth it. Right. It's just it's not the, the, the project for you. So, um, yeah, I think you have to make sure that you're getting some representation. I prefer that people work with a realtor and not directly with a developer. Yep. Right. So there's a little bit of buffer. Yep. Um, and, and, it, and it's just a lot of homework. Right. And, and a lot of research. 
I mean, how much is someone putting down? Just saying this in this pro in this property, the project that you're endorsing here. I mean, how much are they putting down until they actually see? Because I mean, once stuff starts, construction starts building. Because typically, if I'm correct, I mean, I remember, you know, I I don't know why I know how it works in Panama, but like you have to have like X percent of the building sold, then you go to the bank and they release the rest of the money to build it. You know that you know that that's typically how it's done. So I mean, when someone signs a contract, you know, uh, I suppose a you know even before it's built, I mean, how much money are they putting down? It's going to vary. I think for the most part, you're going to be, you're definitely going to risk about 10 to 20%, right? Maybe 30% over the course of, an, of construction. Yep. But most of these are initially, once they're ready to break ground, they're going to need some sort of commitment of around 10%, right? Okay. And that's what this new one that I like is doing what, what they're, the way that they're structured is they're, asking for $10,000 reservation deposit yep. to basically get in line. And then those people will have the first dibs or, or position to then select a unit when they launch sales. Once sales are launched and people have decided and they say, hey, look, I want to pick that unit. Perfect. I want to proceed. Then that's when money's going to have to go hard. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's going to be a risk. And there's just no, no round of about yeah. way to say it. Well, I think you bring up a good point there, which is just make sure that you've done your research on, on the developer um, and ask around and take a look at some of the other stuff that they've done and see, basically ask them those difficult questions directly uh, and see what their response is. You know, usually typically how someone responds to it will give you a very clear picture of, you know, I mean, I suppose the, uh, the character of the developer. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and really it's, it's, a come to Jesus moment for these people. They yep. really have to make sure. And, and I think sometimes realtors don't, don't emphasize that enough. Um, sometimes people get excited and it's like, okay, we need to have this conversation and just really make sure that you're going to be okay with this. And, yep. and there's some people that, that are fine with that. Um, yep. But there's some people that really need to have that kind of that gut check, that, that conversation. Well, as I mentioned, and that's why I uh, love you, Dave, it's because, again, you're the good, the bad, the ugly of every single situation. You won't just give us the good, you'll give us the ugly and also the bad as well. So, you know, it's, it's I really, really appreciate that for the people that you work with, and I'm sure that they appreciate it as well. Um, sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of upside to doing it as well. I mean, there is risk, but where there is risk, there is upside as well. Because, again, is as soon as the thing is finished, you know, you could probably flip it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, any time that someone gets in in that, entry price point, they're yep. going to get in at the lowest price point. That's, and, and that's the, that's the benefit that they get. That's the reward that they get for jumping in early. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's uh, a one project that we've discussed, Ciudad Del Mar, it's not yep. a tower, but um, you know, essentially pre-construction development. We've talked about that. And um, people that got in initially there uh, probably got in about 15% less than where they are today. So yeah. prices went up there again. Yeah, I mean, well, I always like to say the money is made on the way in, not on the way out. So uh, if you can get in cheap enough, you know, you'll make your uh, returns. I mean, I look at it just because, again, I bought my house like 17 years ago for $120,000. So I can rent it out for 1500 bucks a month. You know, I'm making a pretty good return per year. Um, yeah. But again, I got in at $120,000. So I'm not, I don't want to sell and then move somewhere else because it's going to cost me double that to buy anything similar. So but. for sure, for sure. And what we're seeing in Hawk O on top of that as well is it's just really options, period. I mean, right now on the beachfront, if, if you said, hey, I, I want to be on the beach, I want a view, 
there's just not a lot of options and yeah. probably not going to be forward. So it, it's really, if you really want to be on the beach, you have to really consider that as an option. Yeah. Well, I mean, let me just switch gears here to long-term rentals. You know, I'm hearing from all over Costa Rica, there's just a huge lack of long-term rentals, you know, just because the returns probably are not as, um, it's not as healthy as short-term rentals. You know, I like long-term rentals just because again, it's easy. You put a renter in and then they're there for a period of time, you know, and the rent comes in every single month and there's less moving parts. Uh, of course, the income is going to be less, but do you think there is an opportunity for investors in this space? And if so, what would be your advice to them? There, there, there is, um, you know, it, it's tricky because with the long-term rentals, there's definitely demand yep. and there's definitely shortage of, of inventory. Um, the tricky part, at least in, in, in my market is that when you get into long-term rentals, the, the rentals are going to cap out at a certain amount, right? So most people are looking to be at 1500, maybe up to 2000 a month, but really that sweet spot is in that 12, 1500 a month range. Yep. So then if you go backwards and you look at what the, the properties cost to acquire, um, it get it gets difficult to make those numbers really work. Yeah. Um, I've looked at and considered and talked with investors as far as I, I think the play there is really scaling it, where if you can find some land and you know maybe make a sixplex or an eightplex and or some apartments, things of that nature, where you can get that cost down and get those units per unit price lower. Yep. That's where I think the best opportunity really is. But I mean, it's a, it's a different game because the long-term rentals, then you get into people don't want to necessarily manage that because the vacation rental companies want to go where they can make their 30, 35% selling yeah. tours, things of that nature. So it, it tends to be more of a market that is catered towards people that live here um, and that can manage that on their own for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I, I just see a huge gap in for these digital nomads or people coming for three, six, 12 months, you know, that's just really difficult there. And, you know, so I think that your piece of advice there of like, again, finding a larger piece of land and putting like a sixplex or eightplex on it is smart, just because then, you know, the money's made on the way in, meaning that your initial investment, you know, so, mm -hmm. and also is your annual, you know, rent is not going to increase ridiculously from, you know, 1500 to 2000, you know, it's just, I don't think we see those jumps that much. Well, that being said, Guanacaste is, you know, I've got friends up there with three bedroom homes paying five and a half thousand dollars a month. You know, it's yep. just, it's, it's out of control out there. But um, I think maybe, you know, the hacker markets may be a little bit different than, than the Guanacaste market when it comes to long-term rentals. Um, yep. You know, but yeah, I, I agree. I think there is a gap there. I'm just trying to figure out the play there uh, in order to make that play. So, um, so yeah, I'm kind of like, you know what? I started a fund a while back. Maybe it's time for a new fund that focuses on, you know, mid to long-term rentals. But anyway, we'll not go down. We'll not go down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I think it's it's all about scaling, especially yep. when you get in those lower. I mean, when, when you're getting a property that can rent 5,000 a month, Yep. then that's a little bit different. But yep. when you're in those lower price points, I think to, to make it beneficial for someone to, to do that, then it's really all about scaling where, okay, well, what if we had 10 units or five units or whatever? Yep. And that's usually what we see in that game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we chatted, um, I mean, we chatted previously on, on uh, the podcast about returns on rentals. I mean, you know, and there are some what I like to call kind of like return killers, you know, things that are going to really impact your return. 
Um, you know, in your opinion, you know, do people overlook like stuff like HOA fees, uh, et cetera, when looking at, you know, potential returns on an investment? I think so. I, I think the biggest problem that, again, in, the, in, in this market, because we have a lot of condos, we have a lot of HOAs associated with the properties here. I think sometimes people get scared, especially if they're looking at numbers of HOAs. Oh, I don't want a high HOA. And in a lot of our HOAs, especially on the beach, they're high. I mean, they're going to be $500 to $700 a month. Maintenance beachfront is not easy. It, it isn't. It isn't. And, and I think a lot of times people are taken back. And, and I don't think that they really think it through yep. and, and give it enough time to analyze. And first of all, a lot of these projects to understand why they are so high is because a lot of them are small complexes. You yep. can't compare to other uh, destinations where you have 100, 150, 200 units. These on the beach are 25, 30, 35 units in a lot of cases. So that's, that's really the cost. A lot of times they're including cable, internet, water, insurance, and then when you break it down and you see that you're getting your pools, your security, you're, you're, you're not having to worry about a roof. You're not worrying to have to, to, to paint at your property. Um, I mean, I live in a single family home. I just spent almost $10,000 to put my roof over, over yep. it, a new roof. So a lot of times when you really, really crunch numbers, and if you're, you're a number cruncher, then, then crunch the numbers thoroughly and I think if you start doing that, you start realizing that the cost with the maintenance included, and especially the convenience that if you are renting, that's another thing I, I really try and get people to understand is a lot of times people navigate towards having a single family home when they're looking to rent out the property. And I explained to them and said, look, the condos are just so much better suited for the vacation rental property. Correct. They're, they're smaller less maintenance, everything's there. When, when you've got a home, no one's looking after that. Maybe you've got a property manager, but you're going to turn around. When you come here, you're fixing things. And, and it's more house, more, more things to maintenance. Um, so those are all things that I think people really need to take into account when they're evaluating everything. Yeah, I agree. Well, and typically, I think the HOA is also a reflection of how well kept the place is. You know, I mean, typically when you get lower HOAs, you know, sometimes the place might look okay, but the higher the HOA, sometimes, I mean, just take Los Sueños. I mean, those HOA fees there are very, very high, but mm -hmm. the place looks immaculate and like hasn't changed from the day it was built, you know. For so, sure. You know, I think it really helps kind of maintain, you know, your equity in the place of what it ever is. Sometimes, you know, appreciate, you know, ride it. I think it's, if you're doing more of a long-term play, HOA fees, of course, is going to have a huge impact because you've got a fixed income there every single month. But I think if you're using more of a short-term play, you know, the more, the higher the HOA sometimes, the more that you can get for your rent anyway. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you've got to evaluate the HOA. And also too, with that said, I think one, one thing that is frustrating that I've seen, and, and this is another tip that I would say for, especially people that are in, involved with an HOA or looking to purchase property with an HOA, get involved, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm almost at the point where I, I need to tell people, look, you, you, if you're buying a property in Costa Rica that has an HOA, you need to accept that you have a responsibility to at least be involved with it. I'm not saying that you've got to 
you know, volunteer to be on the board, that you've got to, you know, yep. be in every meeting and, and do all that. But everyone should at the very least be involved in their annual meeting and and make their voice heard because there's there's just a lot of complacency with a lot of people here. They they just disappear. They don't even yep. get involved with the meeting. And, and that's not good. That's not good for the projects. That's just not, not good for anybody. Well, interesting you say that because yesterday um, someone I helped buy a condo in Pacifico in Coco called me and she was like, I was on the HOA uh, board meeting yesterday and there was like five people on it. And I mean, there are hundreds of condos there and there was only five on it. She was like, <laughs> yeah. interesting, she was like the interesting thing was this. They announced that they are about to build more homes and condos there. And they said for anyone that wants to get in like pre-construction, because, uh, you know, it's an existing product. It's not something new. So the risk is pretty low that they would have preferential basically, um, you know, kind of rates on, on or pricing on this stuff. So anyone that wasn't on the HOA, you know, uh, meeting yesterday wasn't able to hear that because she was like, Richard, what do you think I should do? Uh, you know, and I was just like, look, I mean, let's take a look and see what it is and what the pricing is. But, you know, potentially you could buy something and then, you know, you could flip it maybe, you know, 18 months later and maybe make some money on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And, and just everything. And it, it keeps everything in check. Yep. Keeps things, it helps, uh, keeps, keeps things transparent because what ends up happening is the people that are involved, they just run with it. And next yeah. thing you know, it, it can be a little dictatorship in some of these HOAs where, well, no one else is involved. No one else is calling the shots and no one's, no one's challenging me. So I'll do whatever I want here. Yeah. And um, so, so yeah, I, again, I, I really, really um, recommend that at the very least, if you're involved with an HOA in your property here in Costa Rica, at the very least, once a year, you take the time to make sure you're involved in that annual meeting. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, basically kind of tie a bow on this. I mean, what advice would you give anyone to making an investment in your market? Um, again, we've, we've talked about this before. I think people need help, right? They need the help of ideally a broker, ideally a broker that they, they can know and trust as knowledgeable. I think that people just don't spend enough time finding the expert and finding the professional that can help them with all this, evaluate an HOA, evaluate the investments, make sure that they're not overpaying, um, make sure they know that the background of certain HOAs and how are the politics of this and how well has it been managed and oh that one just changed administration I mean there, there's so much that goes into the properties here that by doing it on their own uh, they're, they're going to miss things yeah. so I think people really need to spend more time I mean I, I see it all the time where people are trying to research things on Facebook that's not the platform right you can use that to maybe start but don't don't go down that rabbit hole of talking to 30 random people talk talk to people that do this for a living yeah, right and 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 uh, it's it's and the analogy i make is it's like googling an ailment if you try and google an ailment that you're not feeling well or sickness that's a rabbit hole that you're you're just gonna be paranoid or lost or confused now go to a doctor right yeah. same thing with with real estate here talk to a professional I agree. I mean, speak to someone that's been down here for a few years that it has, you know, the wrinkles and, uh, you know, the scars of doing business down here and uh, et cetera. So, you know, 
it, again, I mean, there are a lot of new realtors joining, um, you know, the ranks of real estate in Costa Rica, you know, which is fine. Just, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you always want to hire the best person for you. So, uh, you know, to represent you. So just make sure that, you know, you've got someone that does have those scars and wrinkles. So, Yeah. And especially right now in this climate, because in, in a hot market, guess what? Everyone's coming back in. So the, the people that may be disappeared for a few years, the, the freelance uh, yep. people that sell real estate, the people that kind of do it on the side, you know, now all of a sudden they're looking to jump in, uh, novices are jumping in. So yeah, you definitely want to go for experience. Definitely, definitely. I mean, let's just talk about some of the listings, David, that you potentially have. I mean, what do you have personally that you would vest, invest in and why? Oh, right now, um, I mean, I, I still stand on, on what I've been kind of preaching, uh, rental yielding affordable properties. Um, in, in general, in my market, I, I think the HACO market is very undervalued still. Yep. Um, for, for me, I like anything that is pretty much below replacement costs um, or, or pretty much close to that. And, and I think we still have some of those opportunities in HACO where Give us, cost, give, us, give us the deeds. Give us an example of one that you would personally invest in. Um, you know, there's a, there's a three bedroom on the beach right now. Um, ground floor, a little yep. bit of view. Uh, you're looking at about, uh, that's about 1500 square feet. It's listed right now at 279, a little bit of wiggle room. Yep. Maybe you get that down to, I don't know, let's say maybe 260. That's yep. going to be pretty much rock bottom price for a three bedroom on the beach historically. Um, so that's still there in this market, in this climate. Um, it needs a little bit of love, but nothing too crazy. But something like that, I mean, it's under $200 a square foot for direct beachfront. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's insane. I mean, yeah. you're, you're never going to see that again. Um, so something like that, for me, that's, that's a great option. Um, yeah. Some of these other properties were, you know, some of these new construction, the one we talked about where, I mean, they're, they're building brand new. Um, you can get a, a four bedroom home, a couple blocks from the beach and a gated community for, from 260. Something yep. like that is, is great, right? They're, they're just not going to be able to do that again, moving forward. Yeah. So, so those, those properties, they, they hit the sweet spot. They're under 300,000, which is really where everyone wants to be. There's still some room to climb. Um, they're, they're rentable. They just really hit all those boxes. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think that's great advice. I mean, I know the uh, four bedroom that you're talking about. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm personally sitting over here going, hmm, maybe I should buy one of those. But, um, but yeah. Throw, throw a pool on it. Four a four bedroom house with a little pool. Yep. You're just at three or under. Yep. Close, close to the beach in a gated community, forget it. Like you, you can't, good luck. Good luck finding that. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I've been trying to create that on my own and, and you, you and I know yep. to find the dirt, right? This is, and, and just so people understand to do those numbers, to find a decent lot, well, it's not going to be secure. It's probably not going to be that close to the beach. And even then it's going to be hard to find 60,000, maybe if you're yep. lucky. Yep. And then you're going to drop what on, on 1600 square feet, um, 120 a square foot, let's call it. You're going to be close to 200 all in yep. Then permits, then appliances, then furniture, then the time to get that bill. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's just then that you can't make those numbers work. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 
Uh, I think that's great feedback, David, as always. I was going to ask you here if you had $500,000 or something, what would you invest in? But I think you've just answered that question. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to ask that question. But, yeah. David, anything else that you'd you think that listeners would like to, uh, that should hear, that they'd like to hear, or anything uh, kind of going on at the moment? I think that's about it for now. I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting time with high season um, to see if we're, we're in a transition right now to see if prices kind of climb up a little bit. And how that works, I think, over this course of the high season, how buyers respond or, you know, are they going to kind of hold and be frustrated that they maybe miss those deals and and hope and think that those deals are going to come back? Yeah, I don't think that they are. I mean, if, if in fact, I think it's silly to think that in any other market in the U.S., they're not going backwards, especially especially in the lower price tiers, maybe maybe in the high price tiers or in the middle tiers, but if it's under 300, yeah, I don't see that going backwards. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not <clears throat> hearing much of a slowdown in the higher end stuff, quite the opposite. Um, you know, yesterday someone was like, hey, Rich, I've got a $7.6 million home up in Guanacaste, you know, that I'm selling at the moment. If you know anyone interested, let me know. And I was like, how much? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a very expensive that's price it. tag. Yeah. You know, we just put our eight bedroom villa up for sale for 2.3 million. You know, it sits on 2.5 hectares, has great rental income. But I was like, 7.6 and 2.3 are very different numbers. But I mean, it's a beautiful home. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. You know, it's yeah. someone basically took a hose of money and sprayed it. Um, yeah. you know, that we don't we don't see those numbers very often. I mean, throughout oh. throughout the country. I mean, that that's a that's a different tier for sure. Yeah. So, well, David, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, buddy. Um, as it always, is always, we'll get yeah. you on again uh, so at some point in the future, probably six months down the road, uh, so we can get a bit of an update from you. Um, I'll put all of your contact details in the description for anyone that wants to speak to David. And uh, have a great day, buddy. Yeah. Hey, man. I it's it's too bad that you couldn't get down here because we yep. got turkey tomorrow. Ah, damn. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I look at my calendar here and it's just red the hole for the next like four weeks. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try and I'll try and get some tamale away at least. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. Right, Happy okay, Thanksgiving. Hey guys, another great podcast there with David. He's a wealth of information. Uh, and you know, we had a huge focus there on returns because quite a few people are looking to make those uh, returns. Um, I mean, and there are some opportunities in that hacker area. Um, I really like some of the pre-construction stuff just because again, I think you can get in at a low price, say, I don't know, at 250. And then as soon as it's built, you know, you may be able to turn, turn around and sell it for 325. There's a lot of there's an equity play there to be made, uh, very similar to what we discussed with Jen uh, in the previous podcast there. So I'm going to keep you up to date. Remember, guys, um, I spent my whole time traveling around Costa Rica. Um, this weekend, I'm off to Dominicao. Then next weekend, I'm up in Guanacaste. Um, I'm also looking at finishing my project in San Gerardo de Lota. I'm building luxury cabins up there. So I put my money where my mouth is and actually, you know, invest into property here. Um, I use a lot of the travel data that I have here to really find those areas that are beginning to grow, uh, you know, so that I can ride the appreciation as well. Because as I'd mentioned in previous podcasts, you know, appreciation play here in Costa Rica is not huge uh, just because of the demand and supply. But anyone that wants to reach out or speak to me, feel free to at info at investingcostarica.com. That's info at investingcostarica.com. Uh, and as I mentioned, we'll have that website up and running uh, within the next coming weeks. We're working on it at the moment, putting everything up there. For everyone else, have a great Thanksgiving um, and we'll get another podcast out very, very soon. Thanks, guys.